Welcome to the podcast. I'm Joel here with my dad. I'm Rick. Welcome. We are glad you're here today. Dad, I want to talk today about too much church, which is what I'm concluded <laughs> I got growing up. Oh, you did get a lot. That's for sure. <laughs> we were there. Of course, you were a pastor. And so we were there every time the doors were open. And then I'll never forget in Guatemala, you weren't a pastor anymore. You were a missionary. But we ended up going to two church services every Sunday morning. We were still there every time the church We went to a church nearly. service in English in the morning yep. and then in, one in Spanish. And then you decided that's not enough. Let's do a Sunday night church service as well. We got a ton of <laughs> church. And the crazy thing is I see that, you know, statistics are that church attendance is down. And of course, with COVID, they're saying a lot of people are really dropping off. I saw that uh, one in four regular church attenders prior to COVID are not going at all anymore. Uh, like yeah. they're not even watching online. Which It's really on, easy to get out of the habit of it. Honestly, it if our church wasn't meeting in person, I wouldn't be watching online. I just, I get tired of watching online. I It's yeah, it's too much work. It, it, yeah, it's just not the same because our main purpose is for the coming together. Yeah, and I coming together. I can sit at home and you know. So that's what I want to talk about. I I do see, but here's the here's the here's what I've noticed hanging out in the church now for forty plus years. I can say that because I was basically born into the church and I'm over forty. So uh, I've seen a lot of people that are in church every Sunday, yeah. and they're horrible, horrible people. Yeah, <laughs> they're small minded. They're mean. They're harsh. They're brutal with their spouse and they've got biblical passages for why they should be that way and why their wife should submit. And I'm like, okay, bro, like I think you've got a little too much church and not enough action of like with the real world. So is it, first of all, is it possible to get too much church? Well, I think it is relatively speaking. Um, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't know that it's possible to be there too much. You know, they always say, oh, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And you go, well, I'm not sure that's even possible because Jesus was pretty heavenly minded, but he was pretty earthly good too. Being heavenly minded is not going to affect the, I mean, it's actually going to cause you to be more earthly tuned because you're going to be more attuned to the people around you because you're going to have a heavenly perspective. Uh, we're going to come back to that, but keep going. Okay. All so right. what, I, what I'm saying too much church, I would say it's too much church and too little Bible. And where I come from that is like what you're talking about there. People that are mean and nasty. Now, the problem is too many people say, oh, they're, you, you assume that A leads, leads to B. Oh, they're mean and nasty because they're in church a lot. No, they were, you can't even imagine how mean and nasty they'd probably be if they weren't in church, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? They're just mean and nasty people in general that they just happen to, to go to church. Yeah, so. they were to start off with. And that's the problem. It, too often we judge spiritual growth by... Um, by, well, okay, what's the boxes you check? Oh, well, he tithes. Oh, he attends church regularly. Oh, he reads the Bible. Oh, he does this, he does yeah. that. And we don't really look, we don't really expect internal transformation. Well, that's just old Bob, you know, he's that's the way he is. He's just mean and cranky. No, that that is the way he is, but he's not supposed to be the way he is. He's supposed to be a new creature. And so when I, when I was talking, we were talking earlier about too much church, what I mean by that is too many people get, a lot of church, but they get very little Bible. Yeah. And so consequently, they get disappointed with God when things don't work out the way they were told it was. Because at church, you get a ton of testimonies. Well, God did these wonderful things for so-and-so, you know. So-and-so, his, his, his apartment building burned down and he lived. Oh, God saved him. Five other families died and lost everything. But oh, Bob lived. Oh, praise God. Great testimony. 
Yeah, where's the testimony from the people that died? Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait. We just avoid around. those. Yeah. We don't mention those. Which is, in many ways, Sunday morning service is kind of like a seven-minute news segment on Talking Head News, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. It's like, here, you've got a very complex problem. Here's seven minutes to explain it to us, uh, Mr. Mr. Joe yeah. Expert. And the pastor's got 25 minutes. If he's super smooth, maybe 45 minutes to an hour to explain very complex things to you once a week. Yeah. And and then the rest of the time you're you're smothered by the world's perspective and everything else. And so in that in that case it's too little church ex, exposure no, to it's too much church, too little bible. Yeah, and, and what yeah. I mean by that is again, okay, so I, I use an example here, Acts 12. You know, everybody if you've been in church anytime, you've heard the story about Peter being delivered from prison. Oh, right. remember the doors opened. Oh, and the people were so surprised. Ha ha ha, it was Peter at the door. No, it can't be him. It's got to be his angel. Oh, Peter was delivered. We forget, we never focus on why Peter was in prison in the first place. And it wasn't because of his preaching. It, in that first verse of Acts 12, first and second verse, it says that James, this is James, this is, this is Peter, James, and John. This isn't James who wrote the book of James. That was Jesus' brother. This is Peter, James, and John, one of Jesus' three inner circles, and we're just at the start of the church. James is arrested and butchered and put to the sword. And then Herod sees how happy that made the Jews, so he just says, oh, let's arrest Peter. Which, uh, what was he probably going to do to Peter? Same, same thing. We skip that first part, though. And so consequently, you go to church and you hear, oh, Peter was delivered from prison. And then the pastor, a good pastor, he's going to say, now, how does this apply to your life? We're going to make this application. Well, you're probably not going to be thrown in prison this week. And, you know, you're probably not going to be put to the sword and butchered this week. So, well, you know, you're probably in a prison of financial debt. God wants to deliver you from your prison. Oh, maybe you're in a prison of unforgiveness. God wants to deliver you from your prison. And so a good pastor makes a good application of a good story. And then we go away. And when things don't happen the way they should have. You end we, up a James rather than a Peter. Yeah. And you go, wait a minute, this isn't the way it was supposed to happen. Because you didn't know about James. Yeah. Because he skipped that part. And so we get this idea of so many people have, when I found they're disappointed with the Lord, it's because... You're disappointed with this God you created in your own head out of pick and choose stories. So you had a lot of church testimonies, good news, encouraging sermons, inspiring words, but you didn't have much Bible. Name one person in the whole scripture who didn't have very, very difficult times. But when we read them, well, those are Bible people. Okay, so I'm gonna play the devil's advocate. Okay. Or as Elise calls the devil, the dimple. The Dim dimple's <laughs> advocate. Um <laughs> That's a lot less threatening, the dimples advocate. <laughs> the dimples advocate. The Now I forgot what I'm going to say. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, the dimple does There is something to be said for showing up at church and getting around the environment. Yeah. In fact, I think a lot of church is being around other brothers and sisters in Christ. Exactly. So too much church, uh, there is a power in just being in that environment. Yeah. And that's why I say, I would say the problem is too much church comparatively to how much Bible you have. In other words, what which I'm means, saying is- Which means if you're just getting your Bible on Sunday morning, right. you're not getting enough Bible. If all you're getting fed is what happens on Sunday morning, it'd be like if you're only eight Sunday morning, you might stuff yourself. Well, you might go to the most awesome church and you get the most amazing teaching. But if you just stuffed yourself Sunday morning and then didn't eat the rest of the week, you'd be pretty emaciated. Yeah. So it's only too much church- as you compare it to 
how much Bible you're taking in. But again, that's you've got to you've got to separate that out too, because what are we defining as church? Is church assembling yourselves? You know, do not forsake the assembling yourselves together. Was it that was James that said that, wasn't it? Uh, Hebrews, yeah. Hebrews, sorry, that's Paul. Uh, James may have written it. Who knows? It was that guy Hebrew. <laughs> yeah. That Hebrew said it. The guy that, anyways, Paul wrote Hebrews. But uh, uh, there is the element of gathering yourselves together. And and that's one of the things I've, I've noticed yeah. too in church is people that are outside of the fellowship, a lot of times they come up with lofty, wonderful ideas, like theories. And they're like, this is the way God works. But yeah. then you all of a sudden, if you're not surrounded by people to rub, that yeah, kind of, yeah. kind of sh- polish that like, not quite. That definitely doesn't hold up in the real world. If you're, I, like I say it this way a lot of times is you and Jesus may have it all worked out, but it's how you live with others that proves it. Uh, so yeah, there is good. the element of you need to stay in the church, engaged in church because you you could end up reading your Bible on your your own and coming up with some really jacked up ideas. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 the Christian faith was never meant to be lived and it's a solo act. Yeah. Because again, it's all those one another's and you only really prove, as you said there in that little saying, you know, you only prove whether it's really working when you're in iron sharpening iron and you're being polished. Yeah. And your theories, which sound really good until, I remember one time I had this dream. It was like, wow, this is an amazing revelation. I went to this pastor, you know, a friend, Pastor Sam Kelly, an older pastor that I counseled with. I said, Pastor Kelly, guess what, man? This is it, this is it. And he looked at it and he goes, well, what about this particular scripture that says this? And I go, Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, okay. goes, there goes your whole thing. Forget that. Okay, well, that was a dumb thing. But, but the Lord I, revealed I, it to me. <laughs> I could have built all kinds of doctrine and denominations on it, you know, except that somebody says, oh, yeah, the scripture. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's you, you really, you need to be a self-feeder is the thing. Think about how much when you go to church, and I say too much church, what I'm saying is too much church in relative to how much Bible you got. You got to get the Bible in there too and be self-feeding on the word. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's essentially... Essentially, showing up at a church, you know, parking your hanging out in a garage does not make you a car. Hanging out in church does not make you a Christian. The classic analogy right, we always uh-huh. hear. There is an element, though, that you need to be in that right environment. But Definitely. If, but that's only to balance out what you've been gaining from Scripture on your on your own right. in your own quiet time, because as the Lord reveals things, and this is where it gets tricky. I had a guy the other day. He's like, "Hey, man, what did you think of my message? I really felt like that was what God revealed to me." I'm like. Well, if that's what God, or no, he didn't even say felt. He's like, that's really what God revealed to me. I'm like, well, if that's what God revealed to you, what have I got to say about what I think of your message? <laughs> Don't ask me. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was totally heresy. Uh-huh. Oh, but God revealed it to you? Well, I guess it wasn't. I like, guess God knows better than I do. Yeah, you have to balance out or getting around people that go, yeah. eh, not so sure about that. We did a podcast about that recently. Which, uh, that kind of that iron sharpening iron that says, hey, that's a great theory, but it doesn't actually work. Yeah. quite that way. And how does it work in this situation? And how does it work in that situation? You know, I remember one time I had a, a lawyer who, uh, w- there was some sort of deal I was working on. And I said, ah, somebody said, well, you ought to have a lawyer look at it. So I had a friend of mine look at it. And I said, so what do you think? There's nothing go wrong. And he says, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if that? I go, oh my gosh, this thing can't possibly work. <laughs> that's you know? right. But that's because he's trained to see what, what ifs that I would have never even, well, I never even thought about that. I guess I could have. That's why lawyers are no fun to be around, they man. They are not. They're always <laughs> seeing problems, man. But thank God for them, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's the same way in church. You know, it's easy for me to go, oh yeah, what about this? And, but I've got such a narrow little perspective and my life is only, I live my life from my little world and my little perspective and somebody else says, well, yeah, but how does this work out here? Yeah. Or how does this work out? I'm from China. How does this work out there? Which goes back to the, you're so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. 
I have met some weird, weird people that honestly, I think they hear from the Lord um, mm-hmm. and they're very heavenly minded and you go like, and, but a lot of them are kind of like, well, I don't know. Actually, I, I see, they seem to all kind of congregate in the same churches. I don't know why that is, but. I guess it kind of depends on how you define heavenly minded. Yeah. So like what, what is, what in terms of heavenly mindedness and, and us talking about like becoming too churchy, um, I get, I guess the 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 weird the thing that I get so sensitive about with with two churched is the people that start living in a bubble yeah. that's just church people and they start using a vocabulary and I find myself falling for it because like when I'm speaking, yeah, um, sometimes I'll drop a word in that I try and have tried to remove from my vocabulary a Christianese word and I get the all the amens and hallelujahs and I'm like. Oh, in fact, when I hear an amen or hallelujah, I'm like, oh, I used a, I used a Christianese word because they're like trigger words that we Christians know. Yeah. And, but they don't work in the world. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I'm wondering if that's a sign of too much church too, is, is when you've adopted a vocabulary. Um, but yet some of that vocabulary is the only way to describe it. I was talking to somebody yeah. recently about the word glory. And I'm like, there's really no word to replace glory except glory, but nobody knows what glory is actually yeah. is. I, well, and there's a lot. I mean, how do you, there's no other word for like, I don't know another word for sanctification. There's not another word for it. Yeah. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with using that terminology because that's what the terminology is. You just need to explain it. It's like when you started working with a computer, you know, they started talking about RAM and ROM and, uh, and all this yeah. stuff. And you, know, you go, okay, I don't know anything about this, but if you'll explain it to me, yeah. I don't mind. I need to learn this stuff. So just explain what those words mean rather than just trying to do away with them. Because you don't want to use 50 words to when you could use one word as long as people understand what's going on. So taking it back to, you're saying lack of Bible, too much church. When we, when you've got people that are really immersed in in, in the Bible a lot of times, mm-hmm. I find they become so heavenly minded that they can't actually communicate. Now, this is going to sound horrible. There are some that do it, but they just they can't actually communicate with the average person because they're using terminology that yeah, most well, people can't again, resonate with. See, I define heavenly-minded versus earthly, no earthly good. It's, it's how, how you define heavenly-minded. To me, heavenly-minded is, I always keep in mind that one of these days, I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account for every idle word, thought, and deed. And one day when I stand before him, that's all the only day that's going to matter. Which that's very practical, heavenly-minded. When I think mm-hmm. of heavenly-minded people, I think of these kind of floaty people like, oh, the Lord revealed to me and da, da, da. That to me is not, to me, that's not as much heavenly minded as kind of confused, you know? (laughs) There's sometimes there's not a big difference between profundity and confusion. Oh, isn't that the case? You know, somebody who sounds really profound, it's like, eh, they're really just kind of confused. I'll never forget, there used to be this guy that would hang out at our church and he'd come up to me and he'd be like, Joel, I was thinking about you today as I read Ezekiel 37, 11. Do you know what Ezekiel thirty-seven eleven says? Doesn't everybody? And I'd be like, No, I don't know what it says. And then he'd be like, Well, you know, it says this. Do you know what that means, Joel? And I'd be like, No, but I'm guessing you're about to tell me what that means. And it, the guy would drive me insane. I'd try and avoid him because he'd always try and pin me in a corner. And I realized later, yeah. I'm like, I think that dude was just confused, but he wanted me to see him as some sort of spiritual giant, but really he was kind of all bungled up in his head. A lot of it's insecurity too. Yeah. You know, we, again, that pastor that I used to counsel with, he told me one time, he says, you know, if you'll just realize that everybody is insecure, yep. that'll give you a head start on understanding them. 
And and I started doing that. I thought, well, what about this guy? He's real, you know, blustery and everything. And he's, you're like, yeah, he's doing that out of his insecurity because he's afraid that if you really get to know him, you're going to find out he doesn't really know what he's got, what he's doing. And the same thing there. I need affirmation. I need somebody. And so I'm not a great athlete or I'm not really a this or that. So I'll come across as spiritual, you know? And so we do these weird things, which I don't think Jesus went around doing yeah. weird things. I mean, I guess it's kind of weird raising people from the dead, but I mean, you know, he didn't go around like, ooh, sort of. It was like you know? floating two inches above the earth. No. And I mean, they didn't understand what he said a lot of times, but that's because he was had a purpose and a call on earth. You know, he spoke. He, it, it, he explains why he spoke in parables. Yeah. Because he wasn't to be brought by power to position right now. He came to die at that point in time. All right. So I got another dimples advocate. Um <laughs> A lot of people say they've outgrown church. And I know one of the most important things I tell young believers is get in church every Sunday because you need to get Bible and truth and a framework. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that in psychology, like when somebody's life is just utter chaos, we just tell them just adopt some framework. Like it's not gonna solve all your problems, but just the act of adopting some framework for like seeing how the world works. I'll never forget, yeah. I, was, I was talking to this girl one time and her, her, her relationships were just a disaster. And uh, she called me all excited. She's like, I figured out all of the problems in my relationships. I read a man called a book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are Wait, is it from women Venus. Are, yeah, yeah women like, are from Venus. She's like, uh -huh. I got I understand now all of it. I'm like, uh, no, sweetheart, you got way deeper problems than that book talks about. But hey, it's great that you've got some sort of a framework. And I think a lot of times when people are yeah. coming out of a chaotic situation and coming into the faith. I would say you do need too much church. Yeah, You need to get around it a lot, a lot, a lot because you need to have a new framework and a new way of thinking poured into you. Well, just so it's clear, I don't think you can get too much church as you know, growing up. You're the one that it told me to call you. it too much church. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much relative to too little Bible. So it really should be too little Bible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not too much church. Because I don't think, because the biggest benefit that I have seen in being in church is you're sitting quiet for a few minutes under the influence of the Word and the Spirit. Yeah. And and that's kind of the problem with the uh, dum -da dum dum iPhone Bibles because you're not really watching the iPhone. You're checking your Facebook. <laughs> you know, mm. You're checking your email. Yeah, you look it up on version, but then pretty soon you're on YouTube or you're on checking your email. Or having somebody YouTube. read it to you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and so, I mean, and I, I use the same thing. I do it just because... I use my Bible on the phone. And uh, you might, might, I might have checked Facebook once in a while. That's how I kind of know you do that. But anyhow, the point is, when you're there, you're quiet. The Holy Spirit can speak to you about things that maybe aren't even being presented yeah, in the message. That happens in the Emily and I'll be in a fight and we'll show up at church. Oh, yeah. And then there's a message on something that has nothing to do with our fight. But afterwards, I'm like, sweetheart, I'm really sorry for her. Yeah. She's like, oh, me too. I've really felt convicted about I've that. had that too. But the difference is your mom says you ought to be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 she doesn't. She doesn't. She's like, yeah, I'm glad the Holy Spirit convicted you, yeah. finally. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was praying for. That's right. <laughs> no, but there is a benefit to just sitting under the influence of the Word and the Spirit and letting God just, just the silent time there, you know? And, and because, again, it doesn't require your full mental capacity to listen to a sermon. Yeah. I mean, even somebody who's very challenging in the Scripture, your mind can listen so much faster and process so much faster than the, even the fastest speaker. So you have this quiet time. When you're sitting there, the Lord can speak to you. The Lord can guide you. And if you go with that attitude, then like I said, I don't think you can have too much of that. So what's the marker point for knowing when you've shifted from, when you're in a position of too much church and too little Bible? 
Well, when I would say being disappointed with God is one of them because, again, uh, the disappointments I've seen— I don't know have, if I can agree with that, but keep going. Okay, okay the disappointments I've seen have are oftentimes because we—God uh, didn't match what we thought he should do. Which that happens to me regularly. Right, but if you stay tied in with Scripture and you realize, well, he never really promised that. He's going to deliver you from prison just like he did Peter. Well, he didn't really promise that, did he? No. What did he promise? He well, said, yeah. in this world, you will have tribulation. Yeah, all the a lot of the promises aren't positive promises. No, and, no. and he says, if you're going to, all who live godly will be persecuted. Yeah. Well, okay, well. That's... If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Yeah. yeah and so true. it's, again, it's a matter of we have, we, we're, we're kind of worshiping and following this God. We have fabricated the promises that we, you know, God wants you to thrive. Really? Where do you get that? Which, which is, which is, I'm not opposed to it. You which know, is but, where yeah. the big churches focus on because that's what keeps people coming back. Well, and we need that. Yeah. We need encouragement. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. But here's the deal it, in our environment, to if I went every Sunday and heard a sermon on James was slaughtered, James was butchered. I'm going. Well, that doesn't really apply to me. I'm not going to be butchered this week. Which which I've had I've had seasons like that where I I really liked preaching that was really like you need to bear it up and suffer and you will yeah. through much suffering we enter the kingdom of God. But man, I can only handle about six months of that. Yeah, and, and we're so we do need to be encouraged. Most of us already beat ourselves up. Most of us. But that's where we also need to know, that's where the Bible, that's the church, the encouragement, build you up, go, charge, take on the kingdom, you know, and, and all that. But we also need that balance of, okay, but there's going to be some difficult times. There's some dark times. And, and God will be with us through those dark times as well. And it doesn't mean they'll even get light again. Yeah. It, 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 there's, there's all who uh, live righteous will suffer. Yeah, there is suffering. Well, that's what Jesus said uh, in Acts. They said, and we went around telling people through much suffering, we enter the kingdom of God. You're like, whoa, yeah. that was your message. <laughs> yeah, no wonder you got any converts. And so, if you don't, if you forget that part, then all of a sudden something goes bad. Even if it's a little thing, it's like, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. You know, yeah, you were you were meant to thrive. You were meant to not just survive. I got a letter from one of our missionaries one time. He says, I'm really having a hard time. My pastor called me up a couple weeks ago. And he just said, Are you thriving? And he said, all I could say is, no, I'm pretty much just surviving. And that's sometimes, that's all you, the best you can do is just hang in there and survive because you don't know what God's doing. You don't know why this is happening. You think about Job. I don't know what's going on here, but through it all, and he was able to see in this lifetime that God was working, but we have to hang on because we may not see it in this lifetime. That's where the true, we can't live our life looking to suffer all the time. But we need that encouragement, and that's one of the reasons we need the church. But we also need that balance of understanding that in this world, you will have tribulations. There will be hardships. There will be difficulties. That's a part of the Christian life. So maybe you've been saying too much church, not enough Bible. I'm going to throw it in with my angle. Maybe it's too much church, not enough true perspective. Yeah. Because when we go to church... It is one-sided. It's like the news cycle. We've got seven minutes for you to explain this very complex thing. Yeah. Uh, and so explain it to us. And so a pastor has to cram it into, you know, sermon. T- uh, sermons don't go well when you leave a, a cliffhanger, right? Yeah. It's not like yeah. a sitcom where it's like- Yeah, come back next like, week. Come back next week for yeah. the answer to the, it's like the, 
we always want to tie a bow on it because we need to walk out with something. A good pastor will walk out with something for you to do with Take it. Take home with, yeah. Yeah, and if and if you're walking out every Sunday with, well, just get ready, it's going to get bad. Yeah. Uh, there's only so much you can, that you can handle. So. so we we need both sides of it. Yeah. And the church is there to encourage, to, to go, help us, polish us, perfect us. It's not there for the suffering, but we need to understand that when difficulties come, hey, God is in that just as much as he's in the times of encouragement. Which is why it's so important to be regularly a part of a community in a church, yeah. but understanding that that alone is not going to work. And you can actually get too much church if you're not getting the equivalent amount of Bible at home, yeah. what more than equivalent amount. If you're just counting on Sunday morning, yeah. that's not gonna be enough for you. You're like hopping along on one leg and God gave you two. One of them is going to be the joy, the encouragement. The other is going to be, yeah, there will be difficulties. You need both those. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want more information from Joel or Rick, you can visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Please consider leaving a review of the podcast. 